Welcome to the Values Driven Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Mankin, and the purpose of this podcast is to help you make meaningful progress on things that matter. On today's episode, Meredith King, a conversation about building your life and your leadership on solid ground. And Meredith is awesome. She has dedicated her life to helping people get unstuck, whether that be personally, professionally, in their faith journeys. So if you're feeling stuck today, this is going to be an encouragement to you. When all is lost and the world is losing to our hope, hope is all we've got to get us through our hope. Yeah, we'll make it, we'll make it, I swear. We'll make it, we'll make it, I swear. Meredith King is multifaceted and talented, to say the least. She has founded a nonprofit organization called True to Life Ministries that has impacted thousands of lives and walked with youth and adults as they've transitioned out of poverty. She is a leadership coach and has mentored hundreds of Christian leaders through Integris Leadership. She is a writer. She is a speaker. She is a coach. She is a mom. She is a wife. She is just killing it and has a unique ability to help people move from a sense of feeling stuck uh, into uh, a sense of progress and making tangible movement in their life. And as you'll hear in this conversation, and as you'll hear as she even talks about the book she's in the process of releasing, this is a theme in her life, that she is helping people move forward. And so... Uh, I, I know that I um, have felt stuck in some areas of my life, and, and you may be able to resonate with that, that sense of just there's something that you just can't seem to get progress on. And when it comes to um, mo- moving forward, I think Meredith will be just a great, great voice into your life, and especially when it comes to really just building a solid foundation in your leadership and in your life. Um, Meredith's the best. So, so excited for this conversation. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Meredith King. So Meredith, thanks so much for taking time to be um, on the podcast. My first question for you is just what, what led you to start True to Life Ministries? And maybe you could even share just a little bit about what True to Life Ministries is. Sure. I'd love to tell you a little bit about that. So True to Life is a nonprofit organization Um, located in a community southwest of Houston. And really the mission is about cultivating hope and introducing people to true life in Christ through providing the skills, resources, and and community of support that people need to climb out of the pit of poverty. Um, So it's not like a a one and done kind of thing. There's a lot of things we don't do. We uh, True to Life doesn't do crisis intervention or anything like that. We're more about walking with people in the long run to provide truly the skills and resources that they need to climb out of the pit of poverty because that, that climb is hard and it's long and nobody can do it alone. So we're about you know transforming generations by walking with people so they can change their life. And uh, it's, it's messy and, and beautiful all at the same time. And I love the question how did it all start? And for me, there's kind of two parts to that answer. One goes all the way back to my childhood. My father uh, was a pastor and a missionary and and actually did a lot of inner city type work when I was growing up. So it was very normal for us to be hanging out with 
gang, uh, gang members and prostitutes and, you know, people who are recovering addicts and things like that. And, and our house was open for holidays and Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I'm an only child, so I got to go with my dad as he led Bible studies and ministered to people in their neighborhoods and in their communities um, where they were doing life. And uh, he even had a, a ministry center where people from the neighborhood and surrounding area would come and gather and uh, do a variety of, of things and activities. But, you know, as a child, I think he really modeled, and my mom too, what it looks like to take God's message of hope, healing, and restoration to those who haven't heard it yet. And, um, you know, so there's some defining moments in my childhood, you know, with my dad about what a privilege he felt like that was, you know, to be able to do that. And so, you know, there was definitely something in my heart. I, I felt like at some point in the future, I would do that, you know, whatever, whatever that means. I, I met my husband as uh, as a high school student. So we were high school sweethearts. And this is kind of where the, the second part of that question comes into play. And we knew both individually, even at that season of our lives, that we wanted to start something like True Life eventually. And we felt like we'd do it together. Uh, but we didn't know really what that looked like. Uh, we'd both seen um, through a variety of means just what what it looks like for people to climb out of the pit of poverty and how complicated that is. So we knew that God had planted this dream in our heart to start something like true to life. Somehow I made the assumption it would be a hobby after I retired someday, you know, that I would, I would do other things. And that you know, eventually when we retired and had a bunch of free time, that's when we would start something like true to life. And the Lord had a very different plan. So back in 2009 with the economy completely in the tank, you know, fast forward many years from those high school days, uh, David and I started having a conversation about just needs that we were seeing in our local community. I'd been meeting with a handful of women in a dilapidated apartment uh, in a nearby town, just walking with them through the gospel. Uh, one of them was a prostitute and didn't want to be. One of them, her husband, and gone back to jail. She was expecting their third or fourth child. One was a recovering addict. I mean, these women were facing some major barriers. So just through the course of doing life with them, started to see the gaps and resources. And what we found was there's a lot of organizations in our community that would help with tangible resources like food or shelter or clothes. But uh, nobody was really available to say, okay, this is how we walk toward a healthy life. And this is how you get, you know, unstuck, you know, and you're stuck in this pit and this is how you climb out. So God used that to show us that true to life wasn't supposed to be a retirement hobby. It was now. And so on a very large step of faith, I, I quit a very secure job that I absolutely loved uh, to start true to life ministries in August of 2009 and uh, David asked me a key question. We've been wrestling for several months with, you know, what to do. Well, I was wrestling. He was pretty sure the whole time. Uh, he just said, Meredith, how long are you going to let fear keep you from being obedient to what God is asking us to do? Ouch. Yeah. Mic drop. If he hadn't have been driving, I probably would have smacked him. Hard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But we were on the freeway in Houston. I didn't want to die. So um, I just let the conviction happen in my heart. 
And, uh, and then what the Lord has done since then has absolutely been miraculous to see how it has grown. And, and the whole time having a sense that it was the Lord's work, it didn't belong to us. We're not the owners of it. We were stewards of it. And he's, he's built a team and caused the influence to grow. And True to Life's had the privilege of ministering to thousands of people, students and adults, as they transition out of poverty. So that's it in a nutshell. Wow, it's amazing. And, and I mean, now you're, you're up against almost 10 years of doing this, close to 10 years of doing this. And this next season is bringing with it um, even a, it's a transition for you. So what are you going to lead next and maybe speak to how you're still going to be involved with True to Life and, and what that will look like for you? Sure. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs can understand that when you start something, your job description changes every year. Yeah, I look back to 2009, Blake, and <laughs> I actually found my journal the other day. Not my journal, my planner. I'm sorry. I found my planner from fall of 2009 uh, in a drawer. And it was before I'd really embraced electronic calendaring. So literally every appointment, every to-do list, I've got this written record from those early days of True Life. There were not many people doing that, Meredith. It's pure gold. It is pure gold, let me tell you. And, you know, the the to-do list was stuff like, you know, file for a 501c3, get a PO box, (laughs) buy printer paper, buy, buy a little laser jet printer, you know, just really, I mean, there was nothing, there was nothing in existence of true to life at that point. So my, my role was, you know, very grassroots. And then every year of growth, my role would change. And so now you know, True to Life has a, a robust, elite, amazing leadership team and, and a staff of people that are carrying out uh, the programs and services, um, people who have expertise that exceeds my own um, and their different areas of focus, which isn't that what we all want? You know, we want to invite people to the table that are smarter than we are. I don't mind being the dumbest person in the room. I want to surround myself with people who know what they're doing. And, um, you know, we've got almost 400 volunteers that, that help true to life carry out its work. And so every year life really changed a lot for me. A lot of that was super painful. I mean, leadership is not easy. It is incredibly hard. And I made so many mistakes along the way. But I knew one thing that the Lord settled in my heart from day one, I mentioned this a moment ago, but that we were stewards of this. True to life didn't belong to David and I. Um, and I was not going to sit in the executive director seat for forever. I knew that my skill set uh, lent itself to a season in true to life. And I didn't know how long that season would be. Um, I just trusted the Lord to make it clear when the executive director needed a different skill set. And uh, so that season came um, last year. The Lord just showed me, okay, this is, it's time to get this desk ready for the next person. And I didn't, part of me didn't really want to do that because stuff was so good and exciting. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so many years we're like walking through the mud. And finally, I felt like, you know, I've kind of got my arms around this a little bit. And now you want me to invite someone else to sit in the seat. <laughs> but obviously the Lord was right. He knows what he's doing. So I'm moving into the next version of, of what it looks like to be a founder of True to Life. Uh, that version has changed every year. So the next version for me 
is to move into a role called founder and vision ambassador. And we've kind of redefined, you know, what is, what's my role, what's needed for me in this season and what is a, what does true to life need in an executive director? And uh, we've put um, a person in that seat who has exactly the skill set that's needed to keep moving true to life forward as it relates to overseeing the daily, you know, goings on of the organization and leading the team and providing the support that they need and refining what we do so that it can continue to grow and multiply. And my new role will be to work on big picture vision, uh, long-term growth strategy, key relationships, um, still some speaking and and representing true to life and telling our story. And those are all the things that I love. David and I, of course, logistically will still be on the board of true to life. And I mean, it's part of our heart and our DNA, but we've just kind of rearranged our leadership team to better spread the load Um and to put people who've got the skill sets that we need in the positions where we need them so that True to Life can continue to have increasing impact in our community and beyond. And so it's really exciting. It's exciting to get to see that happen. It's what we always hoped would happen. And um, it's been humbling to be able to reflect on all the Lord has done to get us to this place for sure. Hmm. Yeah, and, and you're also going now to uh, also be part of coaching leaders across many different ministries. Maybe would you mind just sharing a little bit about what that role will look like? Yes. So I had the privilege of um, being on the launch team that established an organization called Integris Leadership um, more than a decade ago. And you know, I mentioned to you that my dad was a minister and a pastor and actually growing up, get your head around this, Blake, I had six Southern Baptist preachers in my family. Wow. Uh, that's a lot for anyone's definition. <laughs> you can imagine a holiday dinner table conversations <laughs> in my family. And, you know, I've seen uh, from being in ministry myself, my husband is a worship pastor at a, at a large and growing church. And, you know, I, I know the challenges of being on the front lines of vocational ministry, and I know how hard that is. And so for years, I mean, really for a long time, this whole idea of helping people get unstuck um, personally, professionally, um, and in their faith journeys, you know, that's what True to Life does. It helps people get unstuck. Um, specifically as it relates to cycles of poverty. But when you think about ministry leaders who are on the front lines, man, my heart just goes out for them. And I think just an urgency for the gospel and the kingdom to grow. I want people to know Jesus. And I know that the Lord has called and mobilized people in communities and cities and neighborhoods and countries and churches and parachurch ministries to, to reach their sphere of influence. And man, if we can support them and equip them with the tools that they need to be, um, impactful and effective, then, you know, wow, the gospel really can continue to grow. And so I feel like in this next season, that's where my attention needs to be. And I, I always kind of had a sense that that would be what the progression would, would look like, but I didn't know how. And so when the invitation came to rejoin, Integris, man, I'm like pinching myself. How in the world do I get to be a part of that? Uh, it's, it's just really humbling. So my my role with Integris is to kind of lead our strategy of how we're going to serve and equip kingdom-minded leaders 
and we are privileged to work with some of the the key voices of influence um, in in our Christian culture right now, um, both you know in the United States and beyond. And uh, so I get to help not only directly serve ministry leaders by coaching them or facilitating trainings for their teams, but also coming up with new ways of how we're going to equip them and support them in the long run, both on a leadership development uh, side and the organizational development side. So that's where I'm headed next. Mm. And it's also coming at a time where you are releasing a book. And what I'm so excited about with your book is just, I mean, as anyone who's listening, this is listening to you. I mean, it's so evident that your life experience, the relationships that you have, the leadership leadership experience that you have lends itself to some really valuable insights. Uh, and so that's why I'm thrilled about this book, your book, Immovable, the subtitle, which I love this subtitle, Reflections to Build Your Life and Faith on Solid Ground. And I'm, I'm just wondering at a high level and even at a, a practical level, what does it look like for a leader or someone who may not even consider themselves a leader um, to start from a place of certainty and clarity? Mm. You know, I think it's a lot about what we're not building our lives on. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we could build our, our lives, our faith, our leadership on. Um, but the problem is they don't last. And the world offers a lot of answers to that question. You know, you, you build it on a, on a platform of followers. You build it on success, whatever that means. You build it on acceptance or notoriety or accomplishment or achievement. or And that could be personally, professionally. I mean, you name it. Um, and there's something in us that really learn, yearns for that greatness, I think. And I think God put that there. Uh, but what the world offers... Uh, to answer answer that for us is fleeting, and it won't stand up. And when life happens and the world kind of gets hard and messy, as it always does, if if our life, faith, and leadership are not built on solid ground, uh, we're going to crumble, and we're going to miss out, you know, really on the bigger story that the Lord has invited us into. So I think it has a lot to do with just laying a solid foundation of of identity and perspective that are, are in alignment with what's eternal and lasting. And so that's kind of what the book is about. Uh, the title, Immovable, comes from 1 Corinthians 15, where uh, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I just think that language is so powerful, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want to be that. You know, I mean, that that's what I want for, for me. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for all of us um, is to be resolute and, and steadfast and movable um, in, in the truth of who we are, who God is, and, and what He's asking of us. And with that, what He's not asking of us. So <laughs> content-wise, Blake, I, I took my journals from the last decade and just said, Lord, what are the messages that have been on repeat Maybe I'm the only one, but I feel like sometimes we go around the same mountain more than one time. <laughs> so I looked for those themes, those things that I've really had to had to wrestle through and flesh out. And um, and I chose 20 of them that I feel like are just so important to the life of leaders, whether you're leading your family um, or leading a team, whether it's a large team or a small team, whether you're leading from the boardroom or the playroom, wherever. 
your sphere of influence is. These, these things are really important. So the book, uh, the chapter standalone, and uh, they cover topics ranging from identity and faith and prayer to criticism, conflict, and celebration. So, and kind of several things in between. Um, but uh, that's, that's where it's coming from. And really just written from my heart specifically to the team at True to Life, you know, here's what I want you to know. If I, if I could sit down and tell you anything, here it is. But I think it's for more than just them. Mm. Yeah. And I imagine people who are listening to this may not even know what it really means to be a leader or, or they may hear you say, you know, there's all different kinds of leaders, but I don't believe that I am one. How, how do you define leadership? And do you believe that leadership is something everyone can participate in? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes to the last question. Can everyone participate? A big resounding yes. You know, my friend um, and colleague, Lyle Wells uh, from Integris, defines leadership as behaviors that influence others and drive outcomes. Uh, behaviors that influence others and drive outcomes. So when you think of it that way, we are all leaders in some capacity. Um, because we are influencing others and driving outcomes just in our daily lives by rubbing shoulders with the people we do life with, our families, our friends, you know, our coworkers, if you work outside the home, uh, the people we go to church with, uh, our presence and participation in life all on its own <laughs> influences the people around us. Now, the question is, are we influencing in the most effective way, in the highest way, are we driving uh, the outcomes that we really want to drive or are those things kind of happening haphazardly? Uh, but because I believe uh, that leadership is behavior-based largely, then it, is, it can be learned. It does, it's not about a specific personality um, or innate giftings. Uh, there are certainly some people who are, who are gifted to, to lead in very visible roles, but Lots of visible influence and personality can come into play there. But for the Christ follower, all of us, we are all leading. We are all leading. Mm. Yeah. And, and with, with working with hundreds, hundreds of leaders, I'm sure you see some, some common themes that start to start to show themselves in a lot of these conversations with these leaders. And particularly, I want to know about the, some of the lies that you see leaders believing about themselves. And then, um, contrary to that, you know, what are some of the truths that you speak into some of those lies? And then how do you suggest people overcome some of those lies? Mm, that's a great question. So help me, help me follow through on all of that as I, as I share a couple of thoughts with you. But uh, one lie that I see is, you know, that I'm not a leader or that I don't really have any influence. And somehow we just underplay the influence that we have, maybe because we measure it against someone else that we perceive to be more influential. I'm not really sure, but that's a common conversation is really, I mean, it's me. I mean, I don't have, I don't have the corner office or, or the job title on, on my business card doesn't say leader. So does this really even apply to me? And so I, I think that we have to embrace and understand that it does apply to us and that we do have influence. Um, and certainly in a kingdom perspective, when it comes to eternity and how we engage in making disciples and loving our neighbor and all the things that Jesus laid out for us just in our day-to-day -day lives, I mean, all of them come back to influence. And so um, I, think, I think we've got to embrace that. Um, so 
sometimes it's just a, a reality check of, mm, you probably have more influence than you think. Let's look at, at who, who you're influencing and are you capitalizing on that to the degree that you'd like. Um, another lie that I see is, you know, I'm not enough. I'm unqualified. Um, people, fear creeps in under a million different names, but a lot of leaders just in the past month, Blake, I've been on the phone with leaders from all over the country in a variety of different roles, all different sizes of organizations. And some of these ministries are really on the front lines of, of some big things. And and I'm talking to them and they're all saying the same thing. I feel unqualified for the role that I'm in. And, and so when we feel that way, we tend to hold back and play a little small sometimes. Uh, but scripture is so clear that God is not after the qualifications we bring to the table. It's he who qualifies us. And uh, so we've just got to reframe and, and understand that there's, something bigger at work here than just what we bring to the table. And if, if we're a Christ follower and we have access to the Holy Spirit, um, which we do as Christ followers, then he knows everything we need to know. And, and certainly we need to do our part to learn and grow. But I would say it is, it's staggering to me, the number of leaders that I talk to who feel unqualified for what they're doing. So to the leader who may feel like that, who's listening, I would say you are in good company, (laughs) really good company. Um, The other thing that I see just as a lie is people believing, you know, that, and I think it's related to the other two, it's that they don't need to grow. And nobody would come out and say that. (laughs) Nobody would say to you, like, hey, I'm just done growing in my life. I don't need to grow. And they certainly wouldn't say that to me either. Um, but we say it with our time and with our actions and where our priorities are. And I think maybe because we feel like we don't have as much influence as we think, and we aren't as qualified as we think we should be. So we're underplaying in our roles, um, and not fully leaning into, you know, who we are in Christ and the positions that God has put us in, uh, personal growth and leadership growth doesn't become a priority because, you know, we can point to someone else and say, well, they're the leader. They need, they're the ones that need to be growing. And so, uh, we've bought into the line. That's not really a priority for us right now. And so, uh, I would say that it is, uh, one of my friends from, uh, true to life, we were at a staff retreat and he brought up the whole idea. If you're not growing, you're dying. And it became kind of this internal joke, you know, on our team, either growing or dying, but I actually think it's true. <laughs> and, um, and some of that will, you know, just happen through life experience and time, but you know, the great leaders that we admire and look up to are intentional about their growth. And so I think, I think that should be a priority for us. That's so good. Does that answer your question yes. at all? Wow. So good. I, I know that, uh, I'm not the only one who took a lot of value from that answer. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so I, even with the amount of leaders you work with, a big part of what you do is helping leaders develop a strategic plan for their lives, for their families, for their organizations. And so much of that is setting vision, setting goals, looking to the future. How am I going to change? How am I going to get unstuck? And we still are at the beginning of the year. I know that's for, for some of us <laughs> that even some of our New Year's resolutions have already become failures <laughs> this year already. Um <laughs> 
but what are some of the things to keep in mind that make um, goal setting or vision casting or just getting out of a place of stuckness? How do, how do people Mm -hmm. do that in an effective way? Yeah. Well, I think one of the first things is just to take time to do it, you know, to, to set aside some time and ask the questions personally and professionally, you know, in all the key areas of your life, where am I and where do I want to be a year from now? And I don't care if it's January or November, it's not too late ever to look at our lives and ask those questions. Um, so if you didn't do it for January 1st, then, then do it today. You know, <laughs> uh, there's, there's nothing magical about January 1st for sure. Um, so I think the first discipline is to actually just sit down and, and to think about it and ask yourselves the question and to make it a priority. The second thing is to be clear about what your goals are and don't overcommit. So this is come, maybe I'm projecting my own issues on other people. That is highly possible, Blake, because I'm very much a visionary with organized tendencies. <laughs> That's how I describe myself to people. So I can come up with a million goals and a million ideas and great things to accomplish. Uh, but sometimes I get a little goal happy and that's not reasonable. And so <laughs> what I've learned is it is so much better, whether you're leading your team through this or your own personal reflection for your personal life, uh, pick a few, a few goals and be specific about them. Um, and we've heard about smart goals and all that, but I would just say, you know, be specific and don't, don't make the list too long because life happens and, um, and none of us are motivated, motivated by a list of 50 things we need to do this year or in the next 90 days or whatever, but pick a few and get real clear about why they're important and what it looks like to accomplish them. And, you know, whether I'm looking at a team I'm leading or my own personal life, I love to create a 90 day world. And sometimes for personal goal setting, it's even better to look at 30 days when you make New Year's resolutions and it's just in 2018, I'm going to do these five things. Well, I mean, let's get a little more specific than that. What are we going to focus on for the next 30 days? We can do anything for 30 days, you know, or, or the next 90, especially in, in the business world. If you operate with quarters, um, getting specific about creating a 90 day world or a 30 day world, we can get our head around that we can get some traction that way. So those are just some high level tips. Um, don't, don't overcommit, don't have too many, be specific, and then bring in the, the time frame close enough that you can get some traction without too much ambiguity and too long, you know, a year's too long. And so have a big picture goal, but what are you going to do in the next 30 or 90 days to make it happen? So good. And to, to your own goals, what is something that you're doing, your favorite habit that is helping you achieve your own goals right now? Man, I think, I think to be transparent in my own life, what I say is important and what's on my calendar are often two different things. And, you know, you've heard people say, you can tell what your priorities are by showing them your checkbook. Well, a lot of people don't even have checkbooks now, but you understand the analogy. <laughs> um, uh, so it is with our calendar, I think, you know, where we're spending our time. And so, you know, I'll use the book as an example. That has been a long time dream. I mean, since childhood, I've wanted to write a book. 
And about a year ago, I woke up one day and realized if I don't actually ride it, it's not going to happen. At some point, I've got to sit down on a computer and type some words, thousands of them to be in fact, uh, in fact, <laughs> to actually produce a book. And so I said it was an important goal, but my time betrayed me because I wasn't dedicating any time to it. And so the book got written when I put it on my calendar to write it. And so one of the things that I'm really working on, one of the habits I'm trying to, to muscle through is lining up my time with what I actually say is important. So for me, that looks like putting important things on my calendar in advance, whether it's a date night, picking up my daughter from school, um, or you know, time to work on goals or projects that will move the organization down the field that aren't urgent, but they're important. If I don't block time to work on it, then daily life is going to take over and I'll never get to it. So um, that's kind of a habit that I'm really working on right now. Um, And some days I do great and some days I really stink at it, but uh, awareness is important. And it just came down to the fact I said some stuff was important when landing on the calendar. And so I've got to make time for what's important. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you. Um, and just a last question for you. How can people get their hands on your book? How can they stay in touch with you? What does it look like to get connected to Meredith King? Yay. Love that question. So, uh, the book will be publicly announced and released of, uh, March, of this year, so March 2018. Uh, but no need to wait on that. You can actually go to immovablebook.com and just drop in your email address to be notified when it's ready to go. And uh, the book includes the book itself, and then some bonus chapters and bonus online resources will become available to you when you purchase the book. Um, and so if you just go to immovablebook.com, then you can get on the list to be notified it, notified when you can buy the book. So that's exciting coming soon. And uh, that uh, web address is tied into my blog, which is MeredithKingBlog.com. Uh, that's a great way to stay in touch. And through there, you can find all my social media links. I love Instagram with increasing measure. So finding me on Instagram is a great way. Blake, will you link that in the show notes? Absolutely. Is that possible? Oh, for sure. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah, those are great ways to stay in touch. Well, thanks to Meredith King for having this conversation and sharing her wisdom, her insight, her time with all of us. If you'd like to see any resources or links to things that were mentioned in the show, visit the episode page at valuesdrivenproductivity.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to the show almost anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a spare moment, please do leave the show a review on iTunes. Please also join the email list at valuesdrivenproductivity.com slash subscribe. This will get you access to four emails a month, which is just each new podcast with all the show notes, each new post I write with practical steps you can take to make progress in your life, each new today's to do, which is just a simple productive action that you can take in 10 minutes or less, and my monthly top 10, a list of the 10 things that I'm loving in a month that will help you on your journey. Well, that just about does it. Thank you for listening to the show. Until next time, make meaningful progress on things that matter.